0: no chance
1: what's up everybody episode 83 of the no chance radio show as always your hosts ryan and nate we want to say thank you for those of you that are listening on this fine friday morning we appreciate all you guys for listening, just in general. I know there's a lot of you, maybe your first time, hopefully it's not your last, but we appreciate you guys for joining us on today's episode. I do want to ask for the majority of people that are listening, if you guys had a chance to see our live stream for our on air event. I think we had upwards to like a hundred people that viewed it, which is oh, actually really, really, really surprising. Yeah. Um first time we've ever we ever did that like successfully. We wanted to highlight our performers at our most recent event because I know a lot of you, you can't make it out. Some of you have hit us up and said like, hey, I'm actually going to be in the Bay Area and I want to come see your guys' event. But it's very far and few in between. But we appreciate those that had the opportunity to watch what we think is like a really fucking fun party. I mean, not too many people showed up to this one. (laughs) It's a lot of, you know, we're battling a lot of different things right now. But for the most part, it's it's always a lot of fun. And I think in terms of like another announcement, we do have one coming up next Friday. What's that? April 26th. 26th. That one's a really exciting one. We have our friends, and if you listen to the episode, the Beaumont episode with our friends, uh, DJ Kawasaki and Baby J. Man, uh, probably one of the best episodes we've done. Uh, First time we've actually been able to really cover a a brand, like from A to Z, yeah. in terms of partnerships and all those things, so go ahead and listen to that episode, but we have a, a, a show on April 26th, the Payout Cyber Rodeo Edition, uh, you guys know what that means if you guys listen to that episode, um, but it's going to be a really good time, we got a lot of other people on it as well, so be sure to uh, RSVP, uh, I think we have the link in all of our bios, so go ahead and do that. Man, okay, that was, that was a, a mouthful <laughs> pause, that, that, was, that was a little bit much. But we have to get those announcements out, because, you know, that's how we make money. You know? Let me ask you guys one thing, because Coachella just ended. We kind of talked about Coachella fashion. Did any of you watch Virgil's Coachella DJ set?
0: Yes. And
1: what what did you think?
0: It was interesting. Like, it was in two parts.
1: Interesting sounds slightly negative. You know. I just didn't
0: expect it, but I didn't know. I had no expectation, I guess, going into it, so... With that being said,
1: have you ever seen a Virgil set? I
0: have.
1: Didn't
2: wait. Know? Oh, yeah. We went. <laughs> to I thought, go see yeah, him I thought we all went to go see one day. Yeah. Or, um, one night, maybe
1: a couple months ago. That maybe was almost like a year, year. That was probably over a year ago. Over a year ago. Yeah. My expectations I've seen a couple of Virgil sets on like YouTube, they looked really cool. Uh, he's not one to be very technical as a DJ, and I feel like. What a lot of celebrities or influencers do is they use their name to sort of get them in the door in the areas that they have always wished that they've been wanting to do. You know what I mean? They kind of like, um, like tippy toe into the into that industry and and for Virgil, from the way he explains it, at least like that's something he's always wanted to do. And if you're if you always wanted to DJ and somebody offers you the opportunity to do Coachella, are you gonna deny it? You know what I mean? No, I w- you're not gonna say no. But it kind of sucked. <laughs> and um, I don't hold Virgil to a high regard when it comes to you know music and DJing. Definitely when it comes to clothing. So I trust his taste in that. But in terms of music, I don't really expect too much. But I think in terms of just like an overall Coachella performance,
2: it could have been better. Yeah. I mean, when we saw him live, it was very, very lackluster. Yeah. Yeah. Like his set was... I don't even think he played like one song that I really fuck. I mean, I, sure, that might not have been his fucking objective. To p- yeah, to please, Nate. That's my yeah. fucking golden. <laughs> yeah. All right, we get it. But um, I mean, I don't know. A good DJ is a good DJ, and like, yeah, a, you know what I'm saying. They're able to sort of.
1: I, I know that from the 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 thinking of a lot of DJs. It's to sort of judge the vibe of the crowd and to go about it that way into if people are are reacting then keep doing that if they're not reacting then sort of go in a different direction and um in a recent episode of it's like a like a a radio show uh that like the um it's called zaza world like the kendall jenner and whoever else um he was on it sort of describing his like him getting prepared for his coachella set and he's talking about like yeah like you know, we're we're not sleeping. We're 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 working hard on making sure that this is like the best experience ever. Now, but by all means, the visuals were really cool. Like it's very, it was very creative or whatever for for the most part. But it was really funny listening to his music and and the songs that he was playing because it damn near felt like I was listening to my own playlist on fucking <laughs> Apple Music. Like every song from back to back to back in my head, I was like, I feel like I practiced that transition before like it's it felt so familiar um but i'd say out of 10 i'd give it like a solid six yeah i fuck with i fuck with the phil collins intro song like that
2: was that was tight i think something different yeah yeah he he,
1: i think in regards to like all of his sets he'll play like songs that have really long build-ups to kind of like get you to the what's it called what's it called the the crescendo Crescendo, of uh, of the of the moment Uh, which I feel like he had in mind, but for the most part... Uh, I'm not going to say stick to clothing, but we we still fuck with you. It's just like, it's good or bad. I'm not... I'm (laughs) If In a different
0: setting, it would have been better, but for Coachella, it's just not the
1: vibe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I still love you, though. (laughs) I still love you, Virgil. Um, But I want to get into a larger topic for today's episode, and something that I don't feel like we've touched on a lot of the time, and something that I've been personally experiencing... In the success in the quest of building no chance as a brand and everything like that. Me and Nate, we talked about this before, and like, you what are the legalities of running a brand or having a company? What do we have to go through to get to the point of being what a lot of people call a legitimate brand, right? Everybody can start an Instagram handle and say, This is my brand, but is it really your brand? Are things and what we're going to be talking about a lot in this episode is, is it a registered trademark? Is it an actual LLC? Is it a business? Is there an actual person or like, is is there something behind your words of a brand or your t-shirt that makes it something that nobody else can mimic or copy, you know, because it, then if I'm bootlegging your brand, is it really your brand anymore? You know?
2: It's like and that one movie with <laughs> Tom Hanks and that guy away No, not that one. The one where <laughs> there's like uh, the fucking Somali pirate, and he's oh, like, "Oh, I'm the captain." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like that, but Captain it's Captain Something, Captain Phillips, Captain Phillips. Yeah, there it's like go. that. But yeah. industry where, exactly. in
1: streetwear, <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and we see this a lot with brands like Supreme, and we've talked about this in countless episodes about the whole debacle with Supreme Italia and opening up numerous stores in not only in Europe, but I feel like there's stores in like China now, and just like bootlegging and counterfeiting culture in general, that's something that we want to kind of talk about and discuss in, in, in more of a uh, a deeper investigation in this episode. And one of the reasons why we bring this up, obviously, because me and Nate are experiencing that in the quest of building our own brand, but also a really, really good article popped up in um, in regards to the brand Fucked. Now, Fucked, if for a lot of you that that don't know, is a very early, early '90s streetwear brand that kind of um, takes inspiration from the early. Streetwear culture of, of uh, early culture of skateboarding. So, a lot of their aesthetic is you know, just straight up legacy logos, big baggy pants, kind of like typical street uh, skateboarding wear from, from around that time. But the reason why we bring this brand up is because fairly recently they were brought to the Supreme Court in a legislative battle to fight for their brand to become a trademarked logo trademark name and basically what trademarking means means that it is a registered name of your brand that is control uh, I guess controlled by the government right or at least regulated by the government and it is solely your property Um, how do I put this in terms of like
2: understanding for those that may not understand, uh, my I think that's legislative a pretty common thing that's sort of easy to grasp. But I guess in layman's terms, it's like essentially like if you trademark it, it's it's yours, like you own it, and if somebody else tries to use it, you can say "fuck you," you have to pay me. Yeah, basically, exactly, yeah.
1: and you get to lease the rights for whatever name or whatever brand, and you essentially control everything and everything around that particular name. I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the sense of fucked, I'll give you a bit of a a backstory or context into how this sort of progresses its way into the Superior Court, or uh, not the Superior Court, it's the, what's the largest court? I don't know the judicial system. What is the largest court that, the Supreme Court. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we just got a title for for today's episode. Um, um, But yes, so... Surprisingly enough, Fucked, a streetwear brand, gets brought to the highest level of the judicial system, which is the Supreme Court, which is actually very, very funny and very ironic. But in being in that in that setting, they are basically fighting against the government to have their brand and their name trademarked. And the biggest debate is that the brand and name Fucked could or, or may or may not be somewhat offensive to the general audience, general population. Um, The thinking here and why they are denying Eric Bernetti, who is the uh, creator and um, owner of this brand, is that fucked as a name for a brand, though it may be designated for a certain niche group or audience, could essentially grow from that and be expanded to the general population, maybe those who don't fuck with streetwear, don't know what fucked even means. And if for those who do know what fucked means or don't know what fucked means, it means friends you can't trust, which is actually a really great acronym. And uh, I actually am a big fan of the brand. And I, they don't sell in boutiques or stores anymore. I think it's just solely online. Yeah. And they don't necessarily like promote or advertise for it either. Yeah. You just kind of get... like a newsletter email that says it's going to be dropping today at Yo, 12 o'clock. Their
2: shit used to be in thrift stores like for the longest time. I remember in like 2000, like maybe four or five years ago, you yeah. used to find their shirts fucking everywhere. Yeah. Like nobody was like really rocking with them anymore. Yeah. I don't even think that that many people. They're kind of considered to be closely associated with like
1: a life. Yeah, exactly. Um, Maybe an extra large yeah. kind of like they're, they've always been a legacy brand, but kind of like, go under the radar. But for those who have been in the game long enough, understand that the owner has a a huge legacy of being in the streetwear industry, um, as well as the brand being, like, one of the most... Like, some brands aspire to be like them. They take inspiration from them. So they're always going to be in that, you know, realm of, you know... Would you call it the like the Mount Rushmore of streetwear brands, essentially? I would
2: say so, like the uh, the forefathers. Yeah, of there you go. Wear. That's a good. Yeah. That's
1: a good term. Um, but yeah, so as we sort of approach this debacle, and something that I wanted to bring up in this episode is, if I name a brand fucked, and the the government says that I can't because it could be misconstrued or um, essentially taken as. Uh, ex- as being too profane to be a legitimate company, what is what is my argument to to them to saying like why it should be legal? What would your argument be to say like no, this should
2: be legal, and this is why? Uh, I mean, in reading the article, I'm I mean you, I'm sure you read it, but there was like this other brand. There was like a uh, it was like an Asian streetwear brand, and they, <laughs> their name was like super fucking offensive oh i think it was it was a, called it, it was called the slants.
1: yeah it was an asian band asian yeah. band, and they wanted to trademark the name the slants
2: which the, i mean we're asian we could say this yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it might seem like very inoffensive to some people but i don't know I, there's definitely it definitely crosses some boundaries i can see like for others um i think with fucked it's different because it's i don't know it's it's such a fine line because fucked is like a it's it's an acronym it stands for something right yeah
1: and i i would think that the like if you were to spell out that acronym of friends you can't trust, I feel like the government would be cool with that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we have allies in this country, we have enemies, like friends you can't trust. Who killed trust. JFK? Like, exactly. I feel like that it's very on brand with like kind of what they believe in. <laughs> like if 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 fucking no, I'm not gonna say if, if Trump was wearing streetwear, he'd wear fucked, but if 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 political activists were to wear a particular brand, it would be fucked. Yo, yeah. is MAGA streetwear? <laughs> Meg is not oh, true. Never. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, where do we draw the line when it comes to offensiveness in streetwear? I mean, if we're just talking strictly outside of the whole trademarking thing, because offensiveness pl- offensiveness plays a huge role in why they're denying him access to that, that trademark, what how do we define
2: offensiveness in streetwear in general? I think there's a higher threshold for what is offensive in terms of like streetwear. Because like you see, brands all the time. They have just like "fuck you" exactly. <laughs> like, on a t-shirt, and that you know what? Like if you're looking at it through a streetwear lens, normally like that's not really something you take offense to. It's just no. like, oh okay, <laughs> it's yeah, like, like "fuck me," all right. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean like Supreme like literally lives off of the word "fuck." Like yeah. it, it's not in a collection, and it's not edgy. Then people will kind of stray away from it, and people search for those brands that speak to their, 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 uh, what's what's the word? That's sort of like, like that. Angst. Yeah, yeah. Their teenage angst or just wanting to express themselves in a way that you can't just go and stand on a table in a crowded area and yell like, fuck everyone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, we we wear a t-shirt that says that and that kind of speaks to how you feel or, or who you are. But even then, you ever walk around and you, you, you like people watch for a second and you see someone wearing a shirt and you're just like shit like yeah it's kind of ooh, that's kind of iffy
2: i think like i was saying there there still is a threshold for what is offensive in streetwear it's just a lot higher so like for instance like something like fuck you that's to somebody who knows streetwear who's been around it that's not something that's offensive it's it's like it's almost a given you know it's expected um to the average person maybe it might be offensive whatever uh but i think like you know obviously there's shit that's that's that no one really tolerates, like, yeah, racism, yeah, like, shit like yeah. that, you know what I'm saying? Like, shit that we can all, agree, that most people can agree on is, like, yeah, we don't fuck with that, yeah. you know? You'd be very surprised to
1: see, like, the brands that kind of, like, overstep that boundary of saying, like, what is offensive, what is racy, what can catch a headline, or or get me to the front of this, or the top post of this Instagram uh, page or whatever, But my question is, and and what always seems to be like a very like polarizing discussion is, you know, streetwear isn't in this bubble anymore. It is that thing that is mainstream because so many different realms and so many different companies are investing into this world of streetwear with more eyes. Do you think streetwear can continue to be what it once was in terms of? cutting edge in terms of raciness and provocative can th- can it do that still?
0: I don't think so I feel like you know the more eyes on it like the more people like from the other side look at it as a negative thing you know like in this generation we're very desensitized to everything and I feel like because we're like that and how we grew up like with the rebellion and the angst like we we appreciate that like we appreciate that as an art form kind of you know like supreme like always said like fuck them all you know and like anti-social social club they do that now with their clothes and yeah. like people still buy it but the more like generalized anything gets like the more backlash you're gonna see and like the more kind of like i guess control you kind of yeah see.
1: yeah I, I think so i think at some point when things become too cool or too much somebody has to come in and regulate it, or somebody wants in on it. And if somebody wants in on it, that means there's more people that are at the seat of the table and eventually it just gets more controlled, right? That's why when companies, they hit a stage of being too big or making too much money, okay, now this is more than any one person can handle. There has to be board members or with anything that's too cool. All right, this is really cool. Supreme's really cool. Carlisle Group, let's invest in it. You know what I mean? And now there's more people that own the stake in that company that have control in the say of where we want you guys, what we want you guys to sell, and essentially how we want you guys to move. And I think that's just how it is now when you become either too cool or too large, you know? Um, I think in the sense of, of how streetwear is, I feel like it is becoming a little bit more watered down. I think that's why you start to see brands that are very... Emotional <laughs> um, I don't see too many brands that are you know putting the middle finger out to what's going on, the political climate, what's going on in terms of race relations in terms of what's going on just in general with with the world, and I think it's more so about I think when it comes to brands, it's more so about how we feel as individuals rather than like us being against something in terms of like what I'm seeing yeah. lately. You know? I think
2: to Mel's point, she, she brought up a really good point in that, you know, people these days, not only younger people, but I find even older people too are very desensitized to, or actually maybe they just don't even care anymore about mm. certain nuances, like saying the word fuck or like shit. It's so weird because like when I was younger, I would always hesitate to use those words with older people but now I find in interacting with a lot of older people, I don't know if it's just like San Francisco being like a more progressive city or whatever, you know, but it's like, I hear people saying like the raciest shit, like even older people these days. And I'm like, yo, if I was like five year, the five-year-old in me is like, yo, what the fuck? Like you're saying that like, that's weird, you know? Um, and I think the same goes for streetwear and just people who kind of partake in that, um, sort of thing. I don't think that, we necessarily care unless like again, like I said, unless it's something that's, you know, objectively fucking bad. Yeah. You know?
1: And it's definitely like a generational thing and yeah. sort of how we perceive what is right, what is wrong, what is racy, what is offensive, things like that. For us, I think we've we've been exposed to so much in such a short amount of time that everything we see is like, oh damn, that sucks. Or like, oh that's shocking. And then the next day it's something even more shocking and and now your threshold for what you find to be important is now like very low you know like when it comes to i think i bring this all the way back maybe when i was in 4th or 5th grade this was when that website uh bombs world had just come out like the early early version of what worldstar is today the fucking shittiest website you shittiest could ever go on ever. but so amazing it was before youtube like it was just an area to host videos that didn't make any sense to like being anywhere amazing and i watched my first fight video and i remember having nightmares like i was like a scared little kid who did not know what he just saw when it was actually in actuality my first ability to see like what life was outside of my current state of living right being in the suburbs and then actually seeing like a fight and, and i was just like what the fuck this this is what life is like outside of this bubble and and now, obviously, with sites like Worldstar and, and YouTube, you can watch some of the most gruesome things ever. And now when I see a fight, I'm never alarmed. I'm just like, oh, shit, that's cool. Or, like, I'm laughing, you know, yeah. like to the point where it's like, damn, like, that's normal. So within streetwear now, like, I think in the early, mid-2000s, when, when you would see words like fuck or racy images on T-shirts, I remember I had a look... Um, a skateboard brand called Lakai had a t-shirt of, or no, it wasn't a Lakai t-shirt, but it was a streetwear brand and it was an outline of Paris Hilton from her sex tape. And I was like, when I first saw that, I was like, you can do that? Like, yeah. that's what people make t-shirts like of? And it makes you think like, what, what is the threshold for what's, what was racy back then? But you don't see brands do that as much anymore. I mean,
2: like Supreme releases like collaborations with, They do, like, collaborations with, like, people who do, like, hentai and, like, fucking, like, you know, it's basically, like, like, you see a whole ass vagina. (laughs) You know 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 right I'm Like, okay.
0: Well, I also feel like, you know, back then, like, streetwear was still so niche and so new that people were testing the waters with their brand. Mm. So I feel like now, in 2019, you've kind of seen it all. So you've kind of seen everyone test their limit. So all these brands kind of, like, they don't really have anything to test or like they're just kind of repopulating it again.
1: Mm. So do you think then in the sense that this is the question for both of you. Do you think we've maxed out on creativity within streetwear?
2: Uh I wouldn't say creativity. I just think that obviously there there's still ways of doing things creatively, but I think that I don't know. I mean, the same could be said for like 20 years ago. Like Maybe not as much, but I think that creativity is, it's, it's almost like a subjective thing. Mm-hmm. Like you could think Virgil the most creative person in the fucking world, or you can think he just puts arrows on shit and yeah. calls it a day, like, you know, is, like how you see it, you know, uh-huh. I think in that regard, it's subjective. Um, as far as like creativity, I don't know. It's like, do you think there's a lack of creativity? Like in the art world, do you think there's a lack of creativity mm. in like the food world? You know, yeah. like, I think there's no cap to it. I just think that no cap, no cap, <laughs> no, no cap. Uh, but I just think that, you know, it's it's every no one can reinvent the wheel. Like that mm. shit has been, yeah, done a million times. But it's like, how do you add to it? Like, what more can you add to it? What spin can you put on it? You know what I'm saying?
1: God, yeah. I like that. I like that phrase. What the the wheel's going to constantly spin, but. How can you add your own spin to it, I guess? Or like how do you redirect it into
2: that was totally interior? not the analogy, but I I applaud <laughs> you for rolling. I kinda, rolling. <laughs> I, kinda
1: I, I kinda felt it. I felt it here, alright? It, <laughs> it it spoke to me, okay? That phrase spoke to me. Damn. But let's bring it back to this and I wanna ask you this question then. If we if we talk about, you know, nothing new under the sun, we talk about um brands sort of running out of not running out of ideas, but running out of ways to express themselves in new ways. That doesn't mean necessarily creativity, but so why would it be important for a brand like Fuck to trademark themselves? What is the usefulness for trademarking yourself at this point in time? You you consistently can put the name Fucked on your t-shirts and make you whatever designs. You could advertise it, but why would you want to trademark it to begin with?
0: I think for the most part, it's just to combat bootlegging. Mm -hmm. Like how we said, you know, like, Everyone kind of repopulates everything. So, th- for any brand, you know, like look at Supreme. They have so many copycats and so many bootlegs. That's the biggest thing a brand wants to avoid. You of know? course, yeah. Supreme, Nike, Adidas, like all those big brands, like you have so many knockoffs of their stuff. So of course they want to like stop that in production. So then they can only be the like, the monopoly in the group.
1: Yeah, I think for a brand like Nike, Adidas, when you're you know a full fledged worldwide company and you're grossing almost billions of dollars or I don't know how much they gross but I think the dynamic is a little bit different when you're a streetwear company that's based out of a small or a, a city in America you know like yeah. you want to maintain your reputation your quality who's wearing your stuff and if people are bootlegging it or or, or making a mockery of it then it's almost it almost like waters down what you're doing as a brand. Yeah,
2: I think that's a very good point. In that, you know, to a brand like Nike or Adidas, like it, it hurts them less because their their ability to push out new shit is always going to outpace the ability. It's way of like, faster. Yeah, then yeah. bootleggers are able to bootleg their shit. You know what I'm saying? Like as soon as somebody copies their design, all right, we're on to the next one. You know, like their output is unmatched um, in comparison to like a bootlegger. Yeah. To be fair, like bootlegger, like copycats are getting better and better but i think at the end of the at the end of the day like a bigger brand like nike or a bigger corporation that has logistically like they have the means to like they'll you know keep afloat but i think with a smaller brand like fucked that may not necessarily be in the limelight of streetwear like i guarantee you, if you ask like a kid who's like maybe 15 16 right now who's in a streetwear like hey do you know the brand fucked they're gonna be like who's that you know no um so I think in that regard, it's important to protect, you know, their sort of like intellectual property. Uh, because like at the end of the day, it hurts them more, you know, like they're on a smaller scale. For them, everything counts. Yeah, but it's the the reason why it's so fucked up is because, you know, brands like fucked.
1: And, and I see this with a brand like Benny Gold as well is you'll see larger companies, maybe more mainstream fast fashion companies d- designing stuff based on their original designs and like Eric Bernetti and, and Benny gold in the case of like who they are, like being around since the early nineties, they probably have some original designs. That's not to say that they haven't ripped off larger logos or, or have redone um, existing things, but for the most part, like just imagine you, you put in all that work. You're, you're a very small scale brand and these major, Players in the in the fashion industry are straight up ripping your shit off. There has to be something to be said about why I should legitimize myself as a brand. Hence, trademarking. And to M- Melanie's point, trademarking does combat the bootleggers because bootlegging is a billion-dollar industry. And brands like Supreme have obviously faced the the harsh end of it and seen. Multiple stores that they had no idea ever existed uh turn up there, but for the for the most part, I would say it also combats quality so if you have a trademark and you're a legitimate business and nobody else in your space uh, for context if you if you get your shit trademarked, it has to be within a space that nobody else is producing if it's that same name and also It can't exist as a name in general. So a good example in an article is that Supreme is constantly trying to trademark the name Supreme, which is, I mean, already impossible to begin with. But you can license the name for certain types of goods, depending on the industry that you're in. So, for example, in the early, I won't even say early, but like 2011, Supreme took their first effort into, like, copywriting, like, the supreme name. So, obviously, they wanted to copyright it in the sense, or trademark it in the sense of, hey, we want to trademark being able to put our logo, the box logo, on sunglasses, laptop cases, and apparel. And so, um, I forget who the people are, that the ones that do the trademark stuff, but they essentially said... No, because there is a brand called, I think it's called Supremo, based out of Las Vegas, and they put their name on sunglasses and eyewear, and that's way too closely related to what you guys are trying to do. So, you guys are denied. And in that case, it's like, okay, so that just leads on not only this other brand who's already doing it, but also other bootleggers who kind of want to do the same thing. But I'm guessing that that brand Supremo, like, they probably... Now that they have that trademark for like eyeglasses and eyewear, it's probably some good quality shit if nobody else is doing it like them. You know what I mean? Like nobody else is putting the name Supreme on some sunglasses or, or, or eyeglasses. And it, as a customer, you almost like, like, yeah, okay, I could trust it. You know what I mean? If I see Supreme on everything in every store in China, how do I know what's the real shit and what's the fake shit or what's the good quality shit? Or not, you know what I mean? And it gets kind of confusing as a consumer, which is why the biggest part of trademarking is to distinguish the reals from the fakes. And I feel like that's one of the most important pieces of it.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean essentially that's what trademarking is, right? Yeah. Like you're distinguishing you're trying to distinguish your product, your service from your name, from Whoever else it is out there that might be trying to do the same thing or might be trying to do something closely related to what you're doing Um, so again I think it's about it's not only about keeping quality in check keeping other people trying to steal your intellectual property in check but also like setting yourself apart from other people too yeah
1: and I think you take more pride in your products if you if you're a trademarked brand you know like When you say I'm the only company with this name in this industry, I should be holding myself to a certain regard in how I produce my products and how I promote my products. And it almost like legitimizes who you are as a company or brand. Even more, maybe tenfold from a brand that just like slaps their name on a a t-shirt or something. You know what I mean? And I guess the, the next question here is, you know, what about parody brands. You know, like, there's... I remember... It's probably one of the wackest ones, but when when people started first discovering, like, luxury brands and when Streetwear first started, like, ripping them off, it was the Celine logo, but instead it said feline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's tons of those. You know what I mean? Calm, calm a desk fuck down. Yeah. Like, that was one of the most popular... Even ASAP Rocky was wearing that. That was, like, one of the most popular... Like bootleg or not boot, not bootleg. There were parodies, and there were brands formed around these parodies. Who was the brand that made those hat, that hat? Calm but this fuck down. Uh,
2: it's a brand based out of New York. I forget. Oh, how it, I think uh, it's called SSUR. Yeah, they're yeah, they're like closely related to uh, like black scale. That yeah. whole like kind of era. They
1: actually made cool stuff. So, but like then again, like let's talk about parody brands real quick. Where is the line drawn between, you know, what is? A legal thing to do as
2: a parody brand versus what is just you know fun and games uh i think like we always talk about there's blatant copies and there's you know renditions or like of certain things you know obviously if you slap like a logo that's being used by another brand and you call that your own then that's you know that's something entirely entirely else that's something you know, that's illegal. Essentially, yeah, you're going to get served. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cease and desist for sure. Exactly. But I think if you're altering something like, let's say a brand logo and you're altering it to, you know, like you always see those, like those fucking hoodies that they sell. They probably sell it like mall kiosks. Now that have like the red box with like whatever, Yes. Yeah. like yes. whatever, like white text you want, mm-hmm. like in the middle, you know, like technically that's not trademark infringement because it's no, not it's the, the same box. exact shit. Yeah. It's a red box. Like, yeah. you know, Agreed. um, And we always talk about this. I think that streetwear always has this sort of, sort of laid back attitude and like poking fun at different, like, you know, just poking fun at whatever it is. Pop culture. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's not necessarily copying. It's more like, it's weird because it's like what's copying versus like what is commentary? You know, like what is that? What is that distinguishing line? So let me provide some facts for that
1: real quick. Um, the 2006 Trademark Dilution Revision Act basically states that you know trademark brands are prevent are protected from the terms blurring and tarnishment. So, for those of you that don't know what blurring is, is this, it's essentially continually a brand that continually makes products, and I'm going to use this in, in in the sense of Supreme making a product that's so close to Supreme product that you can't discern one from the other. So like Nate said, a box logo with Futura font that says pizza, and you not knowing whether or not Supreme just did a collaboration with the pizza company or some bullshit like that. When you're starting to, the line starts to blur between what is blatant ripoff ver- versus what is somewhat in line with what this brand is constantly or consistently putting out, then it makes you question whether or not, is this Supreme? You know what I mean? If you if you have to say that to yourself, then that brand is probably infringing on this trademark dilution revision <laughs> act. It sounds so official, but I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. And the second part of that is tarnishment, which essentially means that what you're doing as a company is diluting the the mark of this brand that you're copying, and you're diluting the reputation of that brand. So... Or tarnishing, essentially—that's what the word means. So if I'm making a brand that says, um, if if I have a blatant box logo that says Supreme, I feel like using Supreme is like the best example because it's the easiest to understand.
2: Yeah, I I think kids out there get it. Yeah, like I know what
1: a box logo looks like.
2: Yeah, but if I just put the word "fuck"
1: on top of the Supreme box logo, completely ripping it off and making it to seem as if like people should not. Fuck with this brand, then essentially that is tarnishing the name of Supreme and and putting them in the place where if a person sees that, they may be deterred from actually buying it.
2: Also, I think at the end of the day, it really matters. You know, the government doesn't give a fuck if you're customizing your T-shirt that says no. "Fuck Supreme." Yeah, it, no. They really only care if there's money involved, and they're like, okay, where can I get in? Where I where we can skim off some? That's money. the you yeah. Know what I'm saying I that's would the game. say that's
1: definitely a big part and something that I didn't think about. For the most part, I was just thinking that the government is trying to help brands out, but I think it makes sense to 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 look at it from that point of view because being on the side of of small business and small brand, like I can understand why people use it as a platform to get bigger in parodying and and having people get familiar with something that they're already familiar with. You know what I mean? If you see like a a Supreme ripoff or you know a font or a logo that is consistently used, you're like like that other brand that I really fuck with, like they have that same font. Like, I, I, I feel like I can fuck with this. Um, but it also does bring in question, like, is this legitimate? Yeah. And I mean should not. this be happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a tough, or it's a weird line to sort of understand. But how do you guys feel just in general about parody brands? And do you, have you ever supported one or ever bought from one?
0: I think the only one really would be like adapt. You mm. know how like they kind of like take Gross. inspiration from like <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, culture, okay, okay. whatever. Hey, 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 hey. Anyway, smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's like the only one that I really like supported and bought from.
1: And what was it that they made that is considered to be parody?
0: Um, I know like they have like kind of like a. Like, an adapt hoodie that has, like, the Sam Trans kind of, like, logo on Mm. it. They did that for sure. Um, They did so much stuff. Like, it's been so long, I can't even remember. Do you
1: call it ripping off if they're taking from a non-fashion streetwear-centric place? Like, if they're ripping off a transportation
2: company. I I think that's different, though, because... I feel like that's okay. Yeah, because that almost is, like... What was it? Samtrans or meaning yeah, Bart? you know, like that, that's like, Oh, like I fuck with that. Like, I know exactly what that is. It's one of those things where it's like you're paying homage to yeah that place that, yeah. that transportation service, that public <laughs> transportation company, you know, like that's totally different. I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things where you see like a person sees that and they're like, Oh, I know what that is. That's that's tight. And that's a know? big part of the
1: whole trademark and regulation is that you can't be within the same industry where the two conflict, right? So if I named my streetwear brand no, let's let's talk complete polar opposites. If I named my chicken herding company Muni versus this transportation company in San Francisco called Muni, you're good to go. Like that is kind of how it goes. Like if I say I'm the Muni farming company, and they're the Muni Sam, whatever <laughs> fucking train, then it's two complete different industries, and I think that's where you get the green light. But if it's like Muni, the high fashion couture company that only makes bridal dresses, and I'm making a shirt that says, like, that says I don't know, Muni something, I don't know, like Muni sucks or something like that. Then yeah, that's kind of where you and get the and for those of you who
2: aren't from the Bay Area, from SF, Muni's it's like our transit system. Yes, so, so just to clear that up,
1: I think it's uh, like short for municipal. Municipal, yeah. <laughs> that's
2: it. <laughs> municipal what though? <No. laughs> Bay Area Rapid Transit. There you and go. That's perfect, perfect. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I think that the larger conversation sort of revolves around this, like what is legitimate in this business? Where do, where do we lie? as fans of streetwear as people starting our own brands and and what is right or wrong you know where's the rationale in doing certain things and how do we learn from those that have done you know have had fuck-ups and how do we grow from them and i think in the sense of tying it back to the eric Bernetti and fucked case man just don't name your brand something closely associated with profane profane words you know what i mean like that's just my opinion like I'm not saying play it safe, but if you want to avoid like a legal headache. Yeah, right? Like you're I don't think you're in this to 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 experience that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think like everyone's in this to sort of express themselves in a, a creative manner and if the only acronym you can think for your brand is called fucked or as I was explaining earlier, what if I had created a brand that oh God, God, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. That said, you know, <laughs> We won't talk about it here, <laughs> but you know, then, you know, it's too closely associated with a particular word and, and it makes you think twice <laughs> about it. You know, I was about to let it loose. I was about to let it loose. <laughs> if you
0: have to ask yourself, is this right or is this allowed, think twice about doing something. Yeah,
1: then it's probably not. Yeah, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate, but then what if I, what if, what if I'm so passionate about this thing? What if I, what if I, I solely believe that this could be the new, the new thing, the new next i, w- I want to call pleasures a cutting edge brand but what if i want to be like the next pleasures and this is what i think is what's going to move people and be provocative and it gets the people going you know <laughs> <laughs> what if th- what if that is it what would you tell someone that that's completely like 100 percent confident about their their brand their brand name that could be anything you know
0: i would definitely say play it safe you know get a lot of opinions from different parties involved you know like you may think it's the next big thing but what if someone else in the same industry like disagrees with you Mm -hmm. you know like make sure that everyone kind of knows what your vision is and they understand it and then go forward but for the most part like just just think twice about doing something. Tread lightly.
1: I think that's a good. I think that's a good way of looking at it. I was gonna. I was gonna rebut it instantly, but when you say to like, <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> when you say to get other people's perspectives and opinions on it first, like you gotta understand, like when you're starting a brand, like you may love it, but is it something that's gonna be lucrative? Or even if you're not in that world of like making money, is this something that people are gonna attach to? You know, like you ask 12 people and you get a consensus that all 12 except your, no, all 11 except your mom like it, like, (laughs) then you might want to, I want to rethink it. Yeah. You might want to rethink maybe naming it some wild shit. I keep wanting to say the brand that I want to make up, but I'm not going to say it. Sorry. Um, But yeah, I mean, kind of coming down to it, it, it really does take a little bit of, a bit of an afterthought when you're creating something on your own like we all want to be like supreme we want to be cutting edge and we all want to go as far as being like a fucking awesome and like being able to just being able to have that brand is still kind of wild to me you know what i mean like but i think it does come down to you know like i said reflecting in in your peers and trying to find out whether or not this is what it should be or what it shouldn't be and i'm kind of talking mostly to those who want to start their own brands and maybe want to make something out of themselves and be respectable individuals <laughs> in, in culture and society like us. But um, but yeah, any last words kind of like on the whole situation? I know it was kind of a lot. and We never really touch on the legislative system. Next next episode, we'll be t- touching on the executive branch you know, <laughs> of the government. So stay tuned for that one. But yeah, any, any last words on kind of how you feel about brands and legalities and just sort of like the regulation of streetwear as of, as of lately
2: um I I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in that you know if you really have to think about it and ask yourself then maybe you should think about it and ask yourself yeah. you know um but as far as like what is right and what is wrong I think that's that's still one of those things that you know until the end of time will be will be very up in the air whether it's streetwear whether it's like some random fucking chicken herding company, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like it could be anything. It's, it's very up in the air. But, um, like I said earlier, I think that we not only as like people, who, not only like as a streetwear community, but I feel like just more people in general, we have a higher tolerance for, you know, like not, not fuck, fuck shit, fuck but shit. like, yeah, but like literally fucked shit. Yeah. But like <laughs> maybe like, Stuff that may seem obscene. You know? yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, uh, obs- obs- Obscenities. Obs- Obscenities is something that I feel like we're used to. Um, but that's not to say that if you look, we're not saying if you want to name your brand XXXX X, 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 or whatever, that's like ex- expletives. That's kind of yeah, what I'm saying. Sure. Um, if you, you want to name your brand an expletive, fine by me, but to get it trademarked might be a little difficult. That doesn't mean that you can't put on your shirts or make advertisements for it i'm just saying if you want to have more of like a legal more of an official more of a um a verified you know a verified account or a verified <laughs> brand um, then, then it's probably important to not name that and that's just kind of our two cents on the situation but i think on that note i think we covered this topic fairly well i hope yes. you guys sort of yeah. understood the Legislative judicial jargon that we decided to throw at you today. Um, This is something fairly new to us and something that's kind of important to understand as we sort of take that path of being not legal citizens. I was going to say legal (laughs) citizens of being a legal brand. I am a legal citizen though, Trump. (laughs) If you are listening to this, I am a legal citizen. Exactly. Right. Right. There we go. Let's put that out there. Uh, Disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, if you fucked with this episode and what we (laughs) talked about, Be sure to follow us at No Chance Radio. We appreciate all the follows and all the comments and all the messages and all the likes and everything like that. Uh, Be sure to listen to us every week. We're here every Friday. We don't miss it. And on that note, we will catch you next week.